Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. It's great to be with you as always on this beautiful Sunday, Sunday in which we honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ always in a special way. Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. It's like a mini, mini Pasqua, mini Easter every Sunday. A day of great rejoicing and and happiness in the Lord. What better way to start off this day of joy than inviting Mary to be with us? Mary was the one that really believed in the resurrection of Christ. The others, they doubted. Mary had firm belief in this reality. For that reason we call Mary. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. So let's uh, turn to Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope, and ask her to be with us, to live out this day of our Lord's resurrection with, uh, with great joy, <clears throat> as we say. Come, holy, uh, I'm sorry, hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now, my friends, we'd like to invite to be with us our spiritual director, Our spiritual director 
has many names. Many names. Among which, our spiritual director is the paraclete. He's also known as the gift of gifts, taken from the catechism. He's also known as the sweet guest of our souls, taken from the sequence that we pray on Pentecost. Holy Spirit is also our counselor. He's the one that will direct us into the truth. He's also the consoler in the midst of the many trials of our life. He is our consoler. Holy Spirit also is our interior master. St. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8 that we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans <coughs> so we can say, Abba. Abba, which means Father. So, let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light, a lot of peace, and a lot of joy. As we say, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, Grant us by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Glory be to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, <coughs> pray for us. St. Joseph, Pray for us. St. Michael, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, my friends, I'd like to start off our conversation after praying with you in this Perseverance family by promising to pray for you in a special way. So I'd like to pray for you especially in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Actually, there's no greater prayer in the whole world 
then the holy sacrifice of the mass. And I'd like to place you on the altar with all of your intentions so that when I lift up the chalice, I lift up the paten, I'll be lifting up the body, the blood, the soul, the divinity of Jesus Christ, but I'll be lifting you up to heaven too. That God would shower copious graces upon you, abundant graces upon you, as well as your family and as well as your intentions. My first intention would be I'd like to pray for our sanctification. Meaning that all of us will try to be, as Matthew Kelly points out, the best version of ourselves. When we say the best version of ourselves, that refers to it refers to our pursuit of sanctity. That's right, our pursuit of sanctity, that we would try to strive for greater holiness of life. As Jesus says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. My second intention, I'd like to pray for your families. How important the family is. The future of our world and the society depends upon the well-being of the family. Family is the basic building block of society. It's known also as the domestic church. I'd like to pray especially for your children and your teenagers that they would come to a keen awareness of the fact that happiness, true, authentic happiness, can be acquired only by our union with God. That's right. Only through our union with God can we acquire true happiness. Our Lady teaches us this in her beautiful Magnificat. Mary says, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary is saying that her joy comes in God, who is our Savior. My last intention would be that all of us would have a real longing, a real yearning to grow in our prayer life. My brief catechesis would be taken from the Psalms. The one way in which we can really learn how to pray better is by meditating and praying over the Psalms. Take Psalm 41, the first verse. 
as the deer as the deer yearns for the running streams so my soul yearns for you o lord my god I'd like to pray for all of us that we'd have a real strong ardent desire to grow deeper in our prayer life what is our prayer life that is our conversation with Christ short definition for prayer would be prayer is listening to God it's speaking to God and it's loving God those three different actions we listen to God we speak to God and then we love God So my friends, I would like to welcome you to our program. And once again, invite all of us to rejoice because this is Sunday. Sunday is the day of the Lord. It is a day in which we celebrate with great joy the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. John Paul II in his document Dies Domine, which is a document written on specifically that keeping the Lord's day holy. It's the third commandment. He points out that Sunday is a day in which we honor the Lord. It's the Lord's Day, but also it's the family day. So I invite all of you to make a concerted effort to try to strengthen family bonds today. Remember these words. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. And St. Paul says in his, the letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. So may we experience a true joy in the Lord himself. The documents of Vatican II, I'm explaining the Mass and my catechesis on Thursday and Friday the past seven, eight weeks. The documents of Vatican II, the one that refers to the Mass and the liturgy is called Sacrosanctum Concilium, says that there are two tables there's two tables from which we want to be nourishing ourselves. The table of the Word of God and the table of the Eucharist. Remember when I was studying in Rome, my, my fourth year of theology, Father Jordan Alman once made this comparison. 
So what's the difference between the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church? And he presented this very concrete image. He said that the center of the Protestant Church is the pulpit, which means reading the Word of God, preaching the Word of God, singing the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God. Whereas for Catholics, we have the pulpit and then we have the altar. So we actually have two tables to nourish ourselves from. We nourish ourselves from the Word of God and then we nourish ourselves on the bread of life. The Bible, the Eucharist. Those are our two sources of nourishment. One nourishes our mind, the other nourishes our heart. So, that being the case, we've entered into what is called year C in the liturgical cycle. Year A, we read the Gospel of St. Matthew. Year B, we read the Gospel of St. Mark. Year C, we read the Gospel of St. Luke. <coughs> so that's the Gospel we'll be reading this whole liturgical year. And as you know, Sundays we nourish ourselves from a very abundant banquet table, so to speak. We have the first reading from the Old Testament. Then we have a psalm, which is a reflection or prayer over the first reading. Then we have the second reading, which is usually taken from St. Paul, then the Gospel reading. So here's a brief bird's eye panoramic view of our spiritual banquet today. Today we'll start with the one of the major prophets, and it is that of Jeremiah, the first chapter. We, don't, we might even call this the vocation of Jeremiah. The vocation of Jeremiah, the calling of Jeremiah which he's called to be a prophet to all the nations. Then we have the responsorial psalm is taken from Psalm 71. The antiphon is, I will sing of your salvation. I will sing of your salvation. St. Augustine says, he who sings prays twice. And he says, he who loves sings. Sings a song of love. Then over the past couple of weeks, we've been reading the letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. So today we have a bridge between chapter 12 and chapter, chapter 13. 
And we have, my friends, one of the most beautiful pages or chapters in the writings of St. Paul. One of the most beautiful, eloquent, elegant, poetic, mystical, practical chapters in St. Paul. And it is St. Paul's Hymn of Love. It's difficult for us to find a writing more beautiful on love than St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. So we'd like to um, visit and explain some of the words and details of this beautiful hymn of love. I've done many weddings in my life. This is often the second reading when I do wedding masses or even anniversaries. Yes, I did a 25th anniversary. It's called a it's a jubilee. 25th anniversary, and this was the second reading, that of that of love, that of, that of charity. Then the gospel reading, we're reading the gospel of St. Luke, and this is an extension, an extension of the gospel that you heard last Sunday, Luke chapter 4. But there's a turn of events. Last week we heard them, Jesus reading from the prophet Isaiah, and it says that the people spoke very highly of him and amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. So they're actually praising our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ last week. Whereas this week there's going to be a turn of events. Where they start out by praising him, then they become furious against him. So much so that they lead him to the brow of the hill. And which their city was built with the intention to hurl him headlong but he walks right through their midst in other words they become angry at him for the words that he directed at them that cut to their very heart and he's going to say that a prophet is well received everywhere except in his own except in his own town so there my friends we have our spiritual banquet for the day our spiritual banquet for the day so I'd like to take let's go back to the first chapter of Jeremiah, I'd like to take a verse and 
let's uh, let's talk about this verse. <clears throat> to Jeremiah chapter one, we might even call this the vocation of Jeremiah. When I say vocation, that really means the calling of Jeremiah. He says, the word of God, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. A prophet to the nations I appointed you. So my friends, that's a very powerful pro-life passage. Speaking about Jeremiah being in, being formed in the womb of his mother. So that he would become a prophet to all the nations. About a week ago, we called to mind the saddest day in the history of our country. If you remember, January 22nd, which is about about a week ago. January 22nd, 1973, was the saddest day in our country because that's a day in which the Supreme Court legalized surgical abortion from the earliest stages up to nine months. So this passage is a very powerful biblical passage where you might even call it a pro-life biblical passage. So I invite all of you try to do all you can to promote the pro-life cause. Do all within your power to promote the pro-life cause. And I would suggest this. It's very, very probable that all of you sooner or later are going to meet a woman that is pregnant and she's confused. Many women will have recourse to abortion because they're confused, they're depressed, they're disoriented. And also they're surrounded by people that give them bad, bad advice. So I would suggest this. Remember about a week ago I told you the story of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. That's right, Dr. Bernard Nathanson. Known as the king of abortion. And he carried out, according to calculation, about 80,000 abortions, was responsible for 80,000 abortions. 
and clinics there in New York City. He had his Damascus experience, his conversion. When he witnessed an ultrasound, the ultrasound on this this woman who was pregnant with a child, he's able to see the baby in the womb of the mother. <coughs> you know when you have an ultrasound, you can see the baby moving, the baby getting up after the siesta the baby yawning, the baby scratching his head or his nose, baby sucking her thumb, even the baby smiling at you. So I suggest to you that if you are in contact with a woman that is contemplating the fact of having an abortion, offer to take her to a clinic where there is an ultrasound. An ultrasound where she's able to see the baby within her moon moving. moving. How many confused pregnant women have decided to have the child. Have their child. Have their child after they've seen the baby within their move moving around. And that convinces them that that really is a human person and every human person has a right to life. So that's one point. I'd like to make one other point on Jeremiah, which he was called from his mother's womb to be a prophet to all the nations. called to be a prophet to called to be a prophet to all the nations and when we say prophet all of us after we are baptized in the same ceremony the priest or deacon anointed us our forehead And anointed us with holy chrism, saying that now you are a priest, prophet, and king. Priest, prophet, and king. Now, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel, St. Paul, the Apostles, they obviously they obviously are 
exercising a prophetic role in which they're preaching the word of God. Was they're preaching the word of God. That's an obvious exercise of the prophetic role. But you also are called to exercise a prophetic role too. The priest even more so, the documents of Vatican II say that we, as priests, were called to pray as well as to preach. Those are two of the fundamental roles of the priest, to pray for the people of God entrusted to us, to pray. But also we're called to preach and to teach the Word of God in season and out out of season. But applying this to you, Jeremiah is a prophet, you mom and dad, you are prophets too. In this sense, in your family, starting with your children, you are called to be you are called to be the first preacher and teacher of your child. That's right. You're called to be the first preacher and teacher of your child is the mother and the father. Not politicians or the state or the psychologist or the teachers. Mom and Dad, you are the first teacher of your children. So those are two ideas I'd like to glean from Jeremiah. That we're called, we have a vocation in life. From our mother's womb we are called. And we should do all we possibly can. We should do all we possibly can to promote life from the moment of conception until natural death. We are called to promote life. And second, the importance of preaching the Word of God in season, out, out of season, the priest, the bishop, the pope, but also mom and dad are called to be prophets. Now, even once we're confirmed, we're working with a lot of confirmation students. And once we're confirmed, the bishop says that we're called to defend the faith and to spread the faith. That's what we're called we're called to defend the faith and we're called to spread the faith. <clears throat> to defend it and to spread it. That, of course, presupposes that we know our faith. That's one of the purposes of our perseverance meeting is our meeting is also catechetical, which we're 
taking the opportunity to teach you to know your faith better so that you can spread your faith and defend your faith and instill the faith in your children. All right, from Jeremiah, we move to the responsorial psalm. Now, the responsorial psalm, my friends, is usually a prayer over the first reading. So the Word of God becomes prayer. The antiphon is, I will sing of your salvation. <coughs> One idea on this. I will sing of your salvation. Why, why are we created? What is the purpose of our creation? We are created, my friends, to know God, to love God, to serve God, and by means of that, to save our souls. So my brief reflection on this psalm is, let us pray for the salvation of our souls, as well as our family members. Jesus himself says this, what would, what would it profit a man? What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he gains the whole world and he ends up by losing his soul? What would it profit a man? To gain the whole world and then end up by losing his soul. And as St. Thomas Aquinas says, it was his feast day the other day, he says that one soul is worth more than the whole created universe. Your soul, the soul of your husband, the soul of your children, is worth more than the whole created universe. Okay, my friends, let's move from the responsorial psalm. Let's move to the second reading. Okay, a brief summary of the second reading, which I invite you all to read and meditate upon. It's a very, very beautiful, beautiful reading. And the essence of this reading is that one word and that one word is that of love. That's right. That one word is that of love. So St. Paul 
goes on to saying that if we have everything, we can speak in human, angelic tongues, but if we don't have love, it's all useless. And St. Paul says we should, we should strive. We should strive for the greatest of all spiritual gifts. So if we have all these different gifts that we should be aiming at, striving for, then that of love should be our highest aim, that of love. Love is also... It's also called by the theologians as charity. Love, you might call it supernatural love or charity. And of all, the, of all the virtues, as Paul points out and Jesus does also, the greatest of all the virtues is charity, which is supernatural love. It's the greatest of all. And if you look at the cross, you look at the cross, there are actually two dimensions of love. Here I've got a cross on my rosary. Okay, you can see there are actually two dimensions. There's the vertical, there's the horizontal. Vertical is the one that goes up. Horizontal is the one that goes out. So we are called, first of all, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first and greatest of all the commandments. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest of all commandments? And he quoted the Shema of the Old Testament. Here is Israel. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then love your neighbor as yourself. So you might call that the the, the double the double dimension of love, <clears throat> loving God and loving neighbor. So Saint Paul says we should aim at the greatest of all gifts, and he goes on to say that even though if we're able to speak with angelic tongues and we have great knowledge, but we don't have love, then we basically miss the boat. We gain nothing without love. That being said, today we should pray that we grow in love. <clears throat> First, love of God, and then love of neighbor. Love is so important, my friends, that when we die, if we do not have love or charity within our souls, then we will not be saved. 
and I like to say, not simply love, but charity, supernatural love. If we don't have that within the depths of our soul when we die, then we will not be saved. Before going into some of the qualities of love, I'd like to quote some of the saints and what they say about love. Once again, quoting St. Thomas Aquinas, he says, Love or charity is the queen of all the virtues. That's Aquinas. Love or charity is the, the actually the queen. The queen of all virtues is charity. Also Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, says that love is willing the good of another. I repeat, St. Thomas Aquinas says, love is willing the good of another. What does that mean? What is the greatest good that I can will for you? The greatest good I can will for you is the eternal salvation of your soul. Nothing greater than that. Nothing greater than that. Excuse me. Allergies. Love is willing the good of another. I repeat, love is willing the good of another. That's Thomas Aquinas. Now, St. Francis Sales. whose feast day we celebrated a week ago. St. Francis Sales wrote a book called Introduction to the Devout Life, but he also wrote a book, The Treatise on Love. And what Francis Sales says is the following. The measure by which we should love God is to love God without measure. I'll repeat that for you. The measure by which we should love God is to love God without measure. In other words, there's no limits to love. The great St. Augustine says this, love God and do whatever you want. What he's really saying is not the practice of total unbridled liberty, but rather, if you really love God, whatever you do is going to be pleasing to God. Love is the motor force behind our actions. St. John of the Cross says, here it is in Spanish, then in English, in el ocaso de nuestra existencia, seremos juzgados sobre el amor. In English, in the twilight of our life, we'll be judged on love. 
from the twilight of our love we're going to be judged on love. And that refers to Matthew chapter 25. When you're judged, Jesus is going to say, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a foreigner and you welcomed me. Whatsoever you do to least of my brothers, that you do unto me. So that's the horizontal dimension of charity or love. Then Jesus himself says this. He says, if you, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. How would you interpret that, my friends? If you love me, keep my commandments. What Jesus is saying very clearly is love is not simply a feeling, a sentiment, an emotion. It's not maudlin sentimentality. It's not that. But rather, love for Jesus Christ is related to obedience. In other words, obeying God, that's the acid test if we really love or not. And then Jesus says, no greater love has someone than that he laid down his life for his friends. And that's what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for us on Good Friday. So those are some quotations of what the saints say about love or charity. St. Paul gives a long list. Gives a long list of what love is. I like to pull out three different descriptions that St. Paul gives. There are many more, but I like to pull out three. And from these three of the many descriptions, I invite you to go deeper and you can, even, you can even read, meditate upon this and examine your lives. How well do we really put into practice this 1 Corinthians 12, 13, which is called the Pauline Hymn of Love. It's very interesting. The first description or attribute of love for St. Paul is he says love <clears throat> says love is patient. Love is patient. Okay, let's stop and ask ourselves this question. Love is patient. Are you patient? 
you consider yourself to be a patient person? In the nature of virtue, whatever virtue it might be, is that the virtue has to be put to the test. I repeat, the nature of a virtue is it has to be put to the test. So, patience is a dimension of love or charity, but it has to be put to the test. Maybe you never really made that connection between love or charity and patience. If you're really living out patience, you're also living out love in a very true sense of the word. It's true. I can almost see see you on the other side of the screen. I'm saying, are you patient? A lot of us are going, well, not always. No. Sometimes. Sometimes. But my patience has limits. Maybe you heard the story of the lady who said, Lord, give me patience right now. <laughs> Maybe that was your prayer. Lord, give me patience right now. Right now. <laughs> so, when we're reading on the Word of God, we read, but also we want to be praying. We want to be praying over the Word of God. And I've given you, over the past year, a, a biblical method that you can utilize and that is, when you're reading the Word of God, read, memorize, general understanding, personal understanding, practical application. Patience, my friends, I believe you have to Interpret it in three different areas. In three different areas. What might be these three different areas of patience in our life? Well, patience, patience with others, Patience with ourselves. And also it has to be said, patience with God. I repeat, patience with others, patience with ourselves, and patience with God. Okay, my friends, patience with others. Real the acid tests where the rubber hits the road, my friends. 
would be in our family. We should honestly beg the Lord, Lord, give me patience with my husband. Give my patience with my son. Give me patience with my daughter. Give me patience with my mother-in-law. Give me patience, Lord. Give me patience, Lord, with my family members. Easier said than done. But I honestly believe that's a, ve- that's a prayer that is very, very pleasing to God. And begging for this patience, my friends, on a daily basis. Let us also beg for patience with God. Often it happens that we beg God for something. We maybe make a novena. We want God to grant us that petition right away. Example would be we make this infallible novena to St. Jude. The impossible case is that the nine days transpire and we don't have what we want. Then we get a little bit angry. You know, it's called the microwave spirituality. The microwave spirituality. We want it to be done like that. It's not the way God works. Let's be patient the way that God works in our lives. Finally, my friends, let's be let's pray to be patient with ourselves. Founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Venerable Father Bruno Lanteri, he teaches us these two words. Try to learn them. Nunc Cepi. Nunc Cepi means now I will begin. And it means now I will begin after I, I have failed. That's right. Now I'll begin after I've failed. The just man falls seven times a day. So my friends, we've only, time has gone by so quickly in being with you. It's great to be with you and our Perseverance family. So let's maybe work on this hymn of love and let's try, my friends, to grow in the virtue of charity and starting with patience. And I'd like to give you my priestly blessing. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless all of you in a very special way today. With great love and patience. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, 
and of the Holy 